Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. This podcast is brought to you by the Ready State Virtual Mobility Coach. Dr. Sturette is a movement and mobility coach for players in the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA, plus a doctor of physical therapy. Kelly has created a program called Virtual Mobility Coach. Every day, Virtual Mobility Coach gives you guided mobility videos. It walks you step-by-step through Kelly's proven techniques to relieve pain, improve range of motion, and improve performance. Try it completely free for two weeks, and if you decide to continue, you can get 10% off for life using the promo code PROJECT10. Hurry up, because the code expires October 1st. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast, and this is a long overdue one. Today, I have my brother from another mother stepping in, and it is obvious if you're, if you're listening to this and you're not seeing the video, we have the same haircut. <laughs> so it, it, you can tell right away that we are very much similar brothers from other mothers here. I'm sitting down with someone, and when I was going over his bio, uh, I had to do my bio. I had to redo my bio a few years back, and one of the things I noticed was how many years did I work in the industry, how many clients and hours, and I said, well, man, I, I did the math. I said, I've done over 20,000 hours, and I said to myself, I said, I'm the man. Nobody's done over 20,000 hours in personal training. <laughs> anyway, sitting down with someone who's done over 30,000 hours in the field of training, Brendan J. Fox. Well, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's been way too Thanks. long. You, did, you didn't mention that I was sleepwalking for 20,000 of those hours. Uh, so <laughs> at some point, we got to factor in quality over quantity, Chris. <laughs> 100%. And Brendan's representing the, the Exercise Therapy Association. Uh, Brendan has been an educator in this industry for some time now. We've worked together at different points in time. I'm his student. He's my student. And the reason why you're on here today, my friend, is that 30,000 hours. You have been in this industry and you have accumulated a ton of experience, a ton of experience. So I wanted to get you on here and I wanted to talk about that because a lot of our listeners are either people who go to the gym or people who work in the gym and and your experience alone is going to be super valuable. So first off, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a blast. And, uh, and I love what you're doing with this podcast. It is a gift of love and wisdom to all the listeners so if you're listening to this, just know that, uh, you know, Chris Fudge is doing this out of the goodness of, of his heart for all of you. And so, Chris, we honor you for that gift as part of your legacy, making all of our lives better. So thank you for that, sir. I appreciate that. And I didn't pay him for that. Just in case anyone's known, I didn't slip a dollar his way. <laughs> it was a voiceover. I, he just said, make your lips move. And I'll just like ventriloquist in some self-congratulatory compliments, right? <laughs> All right, man, let's dive into it. You've done 30,000 plus hours in the industry. Why don't you just do a quick rundown of your role? Because you've done multiple different roles. You know, okay. and why, why did you start with fitness? Okay, I started with fitness because I didn't get into medicine. That was the initial plan, okay? Um, and I think like everybody, it's kind of like the Island of Misfits toys from that like that animatronic Christmas movies with the Rudolph and, the, and mm-hmm. whatever. It's like we all, a lot of us ended up in, in fitness by accident. 
And uh, when I started out, I started working for, for my family. They all had big expectations of me because, mm-hmm. you know, they saw me getting good grades through school and everything else. And everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the doctor in the family. He's going to be the doctor. We have high hopes on Brendan. And then I was just like, sorry to disappoint everybody. Um, <laughs> I'm working as a trainer now. So, <laughs> so I decided that, you know, um, I would just work in this industry, but I would put 100% effort into it. I thought this will be a good industry provided I put in maximum effort. Mm -hmm. But I think if you put in a half-hearted effort, this industry could be a struggle. So that was my attitude out of the the gates. And I decided to take, you know, as many certifications as I could, starting with uh, CSCS and uh, certified kinesiologist, certified fitness consultant. And it just kind of snowballed from there. I worked for a company called Extreme Fitness. They're no longer around. Uh, They got purchased by Good Life some time ago. Uh, and, uh, I worked for them for four years as a trainer. And then I worked a little bit for, uh, station seven, which was Gary Roberts's training facility, Oh yeah, hockey uh, player. downtown Toronto with all the hockey players. And then I ended up working for the MedCan clinic, downtown Toronto. And when I started there, there was four of us trainers and, uh, and I worked there as head trainer until last year. So I spent 14 years as a, as a head trainer, 14 years in a, in a head trainer role. Right. Which is, uh, and during that time, you know, there was so much hiring and mentoring people and everything else. We built up the team from four to, I think at the biggest, it was 48 trainers. Massive. We're doing, we're doing about 200 to 250 sessions a day. So it was a big operation, but it started off as just a small thing. So a lot of my expertise has just been in, in mentoring others. And then after that, I started to branch into exercise therapy and working as an educator. So that's been a little bit of my journey and how I may be able to provide experience and insights to help listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is quite the resume you got there. And at MedCan, all these places, were you always wearing track pants? Uh, yeah. Track pants shorts? Yeah. And, and I wear track pants to weddings, funerals, everything <laughs> else, man. They're going to bury me with track pants on at this point. I mean, it's so funny. Your family had high expectations of you yeah, and then you went just to be like, a trainer. My, my family had low expectations of me and I went to be a trainer. You should, you should have been a fudge boy. It would have a lot easier for you. I'm just kidding, mom. But yeah, so all those years in all these different avenues of fitness and stuff, you've come across probably a few things, right? We, we both have probably come across a few things. So as a trainer in all these years here, when you look at, at someone who is a, a, we'll start off with the trainer and then we'll go with the exerciser. Okay. So what are some common mistakes that you might see for like a a newer trainer? It doesn't have to be newer because, you know, we both know sometimes time isn't always a thing, but but we tend to see a correlation. Some common mistakes that new trainers might make when they start out their career in the industry. Uh, I'll tell you one that I don't think anyone will talk about. It's indulging in envy. Indulging in envy. And envy is basically like where you're comparing yourself to others who might be happier, they maybe have more clients, more self-control, more of a sense of purpose, and you kind of hate them for it. Mm-hmm. So this can be other trainers or other fitness professionals, because you hate yourself for not having these things. So envy is really toxic. And, and here's the thing, uh, you will see people get consumed by it, young trainers. And there's this, the whole Seven Deadly Sins. You might remember that movie that came out. Uh, who was the famous actor in Seven Deadly Sins? Was it um, Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. That's yeah. it. Seven. Right? The movie seven, seven. Yes. Yeah. All of those deadly sins. Uh, Dr. Norman Deutsch once said this, all of them are kind of fun, like wrath 
fun. Greed, fun. Lust, fun. Sloth, super fun. Envy, no fun. Like it's the least fun of all of them because you're quietly hating people and it sucks. So people never admit it. The way it comes out is an irrational dislike of other people mm-hmm. or considering them a threat, like hating what you don't know. So allowing yourself to indulge in envy is one of the biggest downfalls for people in this industry, because this is an industry that is so based on appearance and comparison. Mm-hmm like more so than most industries. So this is one where the standards on detoxing envious tendencies must be so much higher because the temptation is there all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's probably something that people, I I haven't heard anyone else talk about it, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen it as the root cause of the downfall of somebody's fitness training career. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. When you say that, I think of certain situations, myself as a young trainer being envious of someone else, whether it was their, their work schedule, they just had a cooler work schedule than me. Not, not aware that, you know, they may have been there 10 years and they yeah. curated a schedule yeah. that fits their life or they've curated a schedule that I wish fit my life, but they had put 10 years in at that time or the mm. way someone, someone looks a funny thing that happens to me <laughs> sometimes is when I, especially in the good life world. And I've, I've, if you're listening to this, I remember this, just so you know, I heard this. I was at a gym, I was at a good life and I was in there on a Saturday and I met some of the trainers. I was just in the area for vacation. I met some of the trainers working out. And then the next day I come back in there and while I'm working out, I got my headphones on, I'm doing my thing. And then it's like between songs where there's like silence. And when there was silence, I heard someone say, Chris Fudge. So then I just like muted it. And then I had a quick, glance and I noticed there was another trainer talking to another trainer and saying like that's Chris Fudge and I heard the other person say I thought he'd be taller <laughs> <laughs> like like what the it's kind of mean <laughs> but you know envious sometimes you you know in my own life being a basketball player I would have envied taller people so I, I get the what you're saying about envy yeah and it'll come out as irrational criticism and what happens is The philosophy behind envy is that if I chop off everyone else's heads, I'm taller to use your own (laughs) analogy, right? And and here's what I would say. If anybody is struggling with it or has challenges with it, recognize that you have the seeds of ambition inside you, that it's actually a good thing. You have the seeds of ambition inside you. You just need to turn it from envy into admiration. Just be able to discipline your attitude to be curious and courageous. Because it's going to take work no matter what. If you're hating other people for having what you want, that's draining. You might as well take the same energy and take personal responsibility and build yourself up rather than using that energy to try to bring others down. Because I've seen this in many training environments. I've talked to other head trainers where it's almost like there's a negativity virus. One trainer just starts spreading this negativity and it all starts with getting somebody to hate on their top producer and it spreads out from there and it can create a very toxic environment fast. Um, So I think that's definitely one of the biggest opponents to career success is to be able to indulge in those thoughts. And And that's why I want to give people a heads up. And you're saying that's the envy is the virus. So the vaccination, since we're talking V words today. And the, yep. vaccina- the vaccination would be, you know, have admiration for the person. I can speak on that personal experience. I, I spoke to the person who had the cool schedule. I saw someone with a work schedule that I wanted. And I just asked him, I said, man, how do you get that work schedule? And then he explained to me and then I said, okay, 
from now I have an idea of what I need to do if I want to work a similar work schedule as this person here. So he kind of told me what he did and I was able to use that, you know, as a guide for how to curate my business to get the work hours that I want. So, you know what I love about that story is that the feeling came upon you, right? But you didn't, you didn't indulge in it for very long. You immediately took it from a spirit of competition to a spirit of cooperation. Mm -hmm. You made that A to B shift and you did it quick, right? The longer you take and spend in that, the more destructive it is to your mind, body, and soul, Mm -hmm. right? And also what you did was you actually embraced humility because we don't know when we see somebody who's got success, we want, we don't know their pain. We don't Mm -hmm. know their sacrifice. We don't know their hard work behind the scenes. I would say that if anybody is ever envious of any of the success I've had, you wouldn't want it if you knew how much work I put in. Mm-hmm. Like if you knew how many Friday and Saturday nights I spent drawing the graphics behind like the exercise therapy handouts and typing everything up. Like I love those graphics. You wouldn't, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want the <laughs> success. You'd be like, it's not worth it. There was way too many hours that went into it, right? Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, to compare is unfair. To compare is unfair. You can't compare human beings on one variable without respecting all other factors in their life. Mm-hmm. and your own, right? Like you can compare on one level. Okay, great. They have a better schedule than me. Also, they're in an extremely toxic relationship. You're in a great relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, also they hate themselves and you've got some good self-respect. Would you trade places with them? No. So why compare on that one variable in which it's a it's an upward social comparison? You're comparing with somebody who has more when there's so many different downward comparisons you can make in which you have it better. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's an, it's an imbalanced perspective. And I would encourage people when I've coached people through this, I give them a corrective of perspective. Like oftentimes we're giving correctives of the body and the posture and everything else. And I'm like, we need correctives of perspectives, right. On all these different levels. Cause we can't just sit with this cause it's going to lead to aches, pains, and poor results. Mm-hmm. If you maintain this attitude. So I think, you know, this is part of just a larger problem in our industry, which I think is indifference to the default attitudes that come upon us. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, you know, we, people get moody and they just roll with it, right? Or they get really selfish and they roll with it or they get angry and roll with it. And it's like, don't just accept the attitudes that, and moods that come upon you because that's natural. You know, it's also natural for me to defecate in my pants, but I don't do it, right? <laughs> like it's not... Because it stinks for everybody. And so same if you indulge in a bad mood, right? You make it stink for everyone involved. Like that's no justification for it. But that's where I see like a lot of trainers will or fitness professionals run into problems is that they just, they just go with the default thoughts and attitudes that come to them Mm -hmm. without questioning it and correcting it and upgrading it for something better as you did with that trainer who had a better schedule. And I think, you know, if anybody's watching it, I would say that that habit came naturally to Chris. And that's probably a habit that is behind a lot of the successes Chris Fudge has had is that he's immediately taken disempowering thoughts and transitioned them to into an empowering thought without wasting time. Well, I was born so, with a tiny brain. So yeah. <laughs> born with a tiny brain. So I always say I got to maximize what I have. I don't have time to sit around here and cry in my, in my woes. I got to figure out yep. what they did so I can get what they have. And I, I've used that a lot a lot in my life when I see something, whether it's like powerlifting specifically, okay, this person got really strong. What'd you do? 
right? Or this person lifts like this. What do you do? This person does this in their business. This person teaches like this. Well, how do you do that? Why do you do that? I just, I just ask the questions. And then I also researched longevity and height and found out that people over six, two die a lot earlier than people five foot eight. So sorry, Brendan, I know you're a tall dude, but I felt a little better with, with that one as well. I might get six years on the average tall guy. Live fast and die young. I'm going to do some research and show why it's better to die young, right? <laughs> I don't have to live through those diaper years. Yes. <laughs> well, you defecate in your pants anyway. So it Great to be tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. When you talk about like the fitness professional and some of the common mistakes, and I love that because I think that anyone who's in this industry, especially once gyms start opening up again and new people are coming in or fresh people are coming back to it to keep that in mind, because it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be challenging in the beginning, but I mean, you and me 50,000 plus hours combined of work. We can say that this industry is amazing. Once you mm-hmm. get, you know, once you get it figured out now, what about the average gym goer? What are the common mistakes the average gym goer makes when they go to the gym? Because the gym's going to be opening soon and they're going to be happening. Yeah, I would say uh, indifference to wisdom is number one. Indifference to wisdom. So having more an attitude that you need to be right and there's more to prove rather than having the attitude that I need to do right and there's more to learn. Anytime I see what you might consider a mistake in the gym, it's a side effect of an attitude in which somebody is indifferent to wisdom, really. Mm -hmm. And so I think the greatest thing you can do is to exercise your humility muscles Mm. if you want to fast track your results in the gym. Otherwise, life will humble you. You're going to get it either way, right? Do you want to be in the express lane to your personal progress or do you want to hit a traffic jam in the collector's lane? of indulging in egotism. So, you know, I'd say, I'd say it all comes down to an attitude. And what'll happen is I think a lot of people, they get addicted to their self-image. Like they get addicted to it and then they decide that they want to hide their faults. You know, they want to deny the need for help because it makes them look better. They're, they're not good with feedback. They'll deny it. They'll challenge it. They'll attack people who give them feedback. They think that the thoughts they have are right just because they think them, mm-hmm. you know, this whole mindset. And then they're, they're taking credit that they're not entitled to. And it leads to them individually claiming more self-importance and just a growing ego. If you're not careful and you don't pay attention, you can go down that path when you're going down the fitness journey, because what's going to happen is as you get better, people are going to bestow praise upon you. And if you don't know better, it can get to your head. And then the more it gets to your head, the more you can, from the inside out, start to turn into a monster. And I've seen this so many times where you can have the body of your dreams, but your relationships, your work, and everything else in your life is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Right? I say that to uh, some of my clients who will compare to other people. Mm. They'll be like, uh, look, they lost all his weight. They're all ripped and stuff. I said, yeah, but they, you know, they got no friends. They'll be like, what am I? They got no friends. Ah. I'll be like, you, you, you have social events, you have interactions, you have relationships, you have, you're seeing people, you're hanging out, you're doing stuff. They're not, you know, what are they doing on the Friday night? Cardio. What are you doing? You're sitting around the table with people you love and who love you back and you're enjoying the moment. I said, so, I mean, you, you know, just keep that in mind. They're doing cardio because they don't have anyone in their life. Yeah. I, I tell them it's just borrowed dust. I say, look, it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's just borrowed dust that you're looking at, right? Like, <laughs> you know, anyway, let's get back to chiseling your borrowed dust. <laughs> like, cheers to that. 
but I think it, it's, it's having that open-mindedness and really, you know, there's one thing I tell myself twice a day, uh, because I intentionally, when I, I, the way I look at it, I try to view my life as being in a movie and showing up for the scenes of my life. There's a certain role I want to play. And in order to play that role, I want to play the role of being open-minded. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the closed-minded person, know-it-all kind of person, right? So in order to play my role right, I remind myself twice a day that the universe is infinite and so is my ignorance. And, uh, and I tell myself that because it is a truth. If you look across all space and time on all the galaxies and every human being and every thought and action of every human being, Brennan Fox doesn't know a speck on a speck. I need to keep that in perspective, though, so that I'm always open-minded to the fact that no matter how much I think I know something, I could be completely wrong, mm-hmm. right? I don't know what's good for me. Like, half the time, the, like, the worst things that have happened in my life have turned out to be blessings when I thought they were a curse, right? There were so many things in my life I thought were a good idea at the time that turned out to be a bad idea. Like that time I ate 76 chicken wings in a chicken wing eating contest, and I had major sweats and heart palpitations. Good idea at the time, bad idea later on, right? And then so many times I thought something was a bad idea and it was a good idea. I remember one time I did a a four day fast. I'm like, this is gonna be awful, like hangry and everything else. I did it, I'm like, I was so clear headed. I wasn't even hungry after day one. Like I was coming up with so much creative ideas. I thought it was a bad idea and it turned out to be a good idea, Wow. right? So I think, you know, always challenging our own thoughts and opinions mm-hmm. is really healthy for continual progress because I think we've all got unconscious incompetence. We all don't know what we don't know, but we have to find it to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you've ever played Super Mario Kart, I'm all about hitting those like those nitro boost acceleration things. They look like the little chevrons that, mm-hmm. that nitro boost you had. I'm all about like, what are those in life? And I think I open mindedness is something that'll help you race ahead to the finish line of you know, a life of happiness and fulfillment faster. So at this character? point, that's my truth. Who was your my character? character? Okay. I, I always picked Super Mario, mm-hmm. you know, because I found like the really big guys, they're just too slow off the hop. Like, I'm like, I can't deal with the slow acceleration, but as long as I can stay on the track, I need somebody who's like the second fastest, you know? Donkey and Kong. And yourself? Donkey Kong was my man. Oh, I was wow. the big, heavy, slow guy. Now, let me explain why though. Let me explain why. Yeah, if yeah. you're Donkey Kong and you can maintain a pace over time, you accelerate to be the fastest. Yeah, you have true. you hit one bump and you're right back and last. So it's almost like chasing the perfect race. And some courses allow you to do that. The ones with the more turns, it doesn't work that way. But the ones that are more straight away, you go donkey. And then I would feel bad if I was going to do like a Bowser's Castle, where there's all these turns, and I wouldn't choose donkey. <laughs> like he knew I was choosing or not choosing. You so disowned choose, the donkey. I would, <laughs> I would choose him anyway. I'm like, I'm gonna Donkey Kong it all the way. But I would always chase a perfection, a per- perfect race. It's so interesting. I bet if someone's listening to this right now, I would, I'd be interested in what a psychologist would say about your choice in, in in Super Mario Kart and who you pick. What does that mean of you as a person? Because I'm sure we could probably break that down right now. So, You're so you know, for the I boost. always thought. Yeah. I know, I know what philosophy you subscribe to, and for me, my thinking was this. My thinking was perfection is unattainable. I'm going to hit something. So I, but I want to hit the least things possible. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to think for me, my ability, eye hand coordination. I mean, you're different. Maybe it was, it was more realistic for you. For me, it was unrealistic. 
So I thought I need the fastest person that can hit one or two bumps a race. That's it. You're looking for the course correctors and I'm chasing, you know, the perfect race. That that for sure would say something about you and me as people. I know it would. Actually, you know what? If anybody knows, don't weigh in on that one. Just let it go. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And we talked about course correcting and and making mistakes on the Mario Kart uh, tour. So what mistakes have been made, you know, 30 plus thousand hours, man. I got my own stories. But what are some of the mistakes that you did make and you look back and like, you know what? I wish I didn't do that. Or I wish I could change what happened. You know, I, I've made a ton. I think, you know, I, I think a, a lot of funny ones, a lot of silly ones, a lot of very serious ones. I could talk all day on this because I've made so many mistakes. Uh, one is not relating to the realities of other people. Mm-hmm. So when you say or do things, but you're not taking into account other people's realities. So I'll give you an example. Um, since it's you, I'll give a funny example of this. All right. So I used to, when somebody cheated on their diet, whatever food you cheated on became your nickname with me for all your set, for all your sessions. All right. So I had this young girl and she had chocolate chunk cookies. So I started calling her chocolate chunk. Okay. I'm training her on a Friday night. And one of the other trainers walks in. I'm like, come on, chocolate chunk, let's do this. And then he looks at her and she's a young colored woman. And in that moment, he thought I was making a racial slur. And he's like, oh my God. He's like, Brendan Fox here on a Friday night, being all racist. You know, like, he's like, I can't believe this. And I was like, I was like, and then my client and I look at each other, like, what's his problem? We're like, oh my gosh, this looks so bad. Right. (laughs) Chunk. Like we don't real, we need to be, and, and that day I stopped doing that. Cause I'm like, mm. I'm like, I don't know how other people are going to take this stuff, how yeah. it's going to make me look and to be sensitive. Like that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. It was mm. funny at the time. And I never thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's so many times when we're not relating to the realities of other people or, or we're judging them too soon, or we're making assumptions about people because we're not relating to their reality. Like, I you know, can say there was that. A- like, I, I agree exactly what you're saying. Cause I remember in the earlier days, there was no, there was no blueprint. There was just a plan. And if you couldn't follow the plan, like you're no good, there was no changing. So I would say, here's the plan. You got to do this much exercise. You got to eat this much food. You can't eat this. You can't eat this. And people say, well, Chris, what about, you know, like, I can't, I can't get to the gym that many times a week. I got a family. I mean, not going to get where you want to go then. Right. But like, that's ignorant, but, but, but that is something that, you know, obviously you realize that you have to change with the individual adapt with the individual, kind of like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was another time where I went away, I had a two month sabbatical. So after I was working for this medical clinic for 10 years, they gave me two months off paid and, and I thought, okay, after two months, I'd never taken that much time off training. I had to agree not to train anybody in any capacity for those two months. And I didn't, I didn't run one training session, nothing on the side, nothing at all. So I thought, okay, I'd really like a nice, easy session to get back into the groove with. Right. Yeah. So I met with this one client and I had prescribed all this work he was supposed to do in the two months. And I'm like, and I, and I sit down with him. I'm like, all right, so how did it go? He's like, I didn't do anything. He's like, I haven't done anything. Even two weeks, I haven't done a single thing. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do right now? Do I, does he need tough love or does he need understanding? And I'm like, I'm like, I can tell by his attitude that he needs understanding. So I'm going to try to relate to his reality. And I'm like, all right, do you want to talk about what's going on? And he's like, yeah, my teenage son killed himself. 
And he's like, I've been inside all the time. He's like, I haven't been going out. I haven't been seeing anybody. He's like, I don't even know why I showed up for this session, but for some reason I did. Mm-hmm. And wow. so I ended up sitting there talking with him for two hours because I didn't have anyone after him. Mm-hmm. And, and that conversation ended up uh, inspiring me to do my end of life training, to be certified in counseling people on death and stuff like that. But you can see how if I, if I made a judgment too soon, it would have been very insensitive given the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that's, a, that's always been a challenge is sometimes we think people are more advanced than they are. And we don't realize like to change takes a lot longer than we think sometimes mm-hmm. like sometimes people need to just they need to stay with those life lessons a little longer and then make changes on their timeline not ours mm-hmm. because when we try to force our timeline they're not as committed to it but when they change on their time they're more committed to the process so now i'm a lot more patient with people and everything else whereas in the beginning i always thought my reputation's on the line like if you're training with me i was doing like so much body composition work in the beginning of my career and mm-hmm. max strength I was, a, I was a different type of trainer in the beginning of my career. And I was like, my reputation's on the line. We got to get awesome results. Everybody's watching everything else. And then, uh, but I was failing at relating to the realities of other people because I was making it more about just trying to cut the person to fit the coat. I, I agree with that hundred percent. You're telling similar stories. And I know anyone who's been around this game for at least 10 years. They've been in that similar situation where you, you have to adapt to the individual and what's not part of the training. And it actually just comes with experience is you have to develop as a human being. When you're a personal trainer, mm-hmm. and you work with human beings, you have to develop skills to have conversations. You have to develop skills to listen. And sometimes that only happens with the time. You got to put the hours in. You got to put in your 10,000 hours. Because if it doesn't go well, like you'll be onto another career. You'll, you'll realize right away. You just, just through being exposed to it, you start developing differently as a human being and a, and a, and a person. I had one client and we had a, a serious conversation about her being late on a regular basis. And I was like, you can't be late. You just got to stop being late. You're not getting the most of your training, blah, 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 blah. So sure enough, she said, yeah, we agreed to it. And then our very next session, um, she was again, like 10 minutes late. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember I was being a little bit more <clears throat> firm than, than I am way more than I am today, but even more than I was back then. And I, I was saying this stuff and she was just sitting there listening and I was kind of like, you can't do it, blah, 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 blah. And I said, why were you late today? And she says, my aunt Flo was in town. And I said, I don't, like, you didn't know your aunt was coming? Like, you couldn't have called her? You didn't tell her you had a set? And then I keep going on. And she's like, "Uh, Chris, I have my period. Oh, that aunt Flo. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I had no idea. (laughs) I didn't know that was even a term. And then I, neither did I, I'm learning here. Hold on. I got to take notes. I'm learning. I'm going to get that down because I've heard it since from other people, you know, since from other people. And I just realized really quick, I was like, (laughs) oh man, my face is red. (laughs) We learn to develop as as a human being as time goes on. You know, it's a great point. I believe that success as a, in the fitness industry is an inside out job. Like you got to develop your strength of character Mm -hmm. first and Mm -hmm. work on perfection of character. And that creates a magnetism to you that people will be drawn to. And I think it's important to think of those people who are suffering right now, because we haven't become the better version of ourselves that we need to be in order to help them. Mm -hmm. There are people suffering right now because I still haven't become the best version of Brendan Fox. And when I do, I will then have the skills to be able to reach and help these people. For, For all the listeners at home, there are people suffering right now because you haven't yet 
self-realize your higher potential. And when you get to those higher levels, you'll be able to alleviate them from their suffering. So I always keep that in mind because I find that's even more motivating than doing it for any selfish reason. It's like mm-hmm. thinking of others. Like when I think of others, like that's the that's what heroes do in hero movies. They will put themselves on the line. They will sacrifice time, money, effort, hardship for other people. That's what makes them heroic, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's all a matter of just owning that mindset and that attitude and thinking of others. And I think that's what gets us past all these limitations, all these hurdles that would otherwise hold us back. Like, ah, there's no money. I remember in the beginning of my career, I was like, I was, I think 30,000 in debt, student debt when I started as a fitness trainer. And then I think I put myself another 15 grand in debt with continuing education in year one, Mm -hmm. because I went and I was going to, I went to Minnesota and I did like the NSCA conference and I was traveling and I was just like, you know what? I got the rest of my life to pay off all these debts. Who cares? I'm like, I got people that are depending on me. Like they've invested their time, their money, their effort, and all of their hopes on me and who I am. So I'm going to give them the best of what I can. So I'm like, forget money. Who cares about money? Mm-hmm. Like with inflation, by the time I pay this off, it's going to be pennies. You know, <laughs> like a, a bag of chips used to cost five cents. I'm like, I'll just wait for inflation to make my debts go down. Forget that. And I'll spend money on education now. Like that was the attitude I had mm-hmm. in the beginning of my career, right? Mm-hmm. But it's all about thinking of other people. I think that's one of the most powerful things because a lot of times we're trying to be the hero as fitness trainers. We're trying to be like, look how good I am. We're trying to be impressive rather than making our clients the hero. Mm-hmm. And we're really, they're, they're Frodo, we're Gandalf, right? But we keep trying to be the hero in these stories. And I think that's a- that's I'm more a like Bilbo in- Baggins, the older I get, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm Samwise. I'm Samwise, <laughs> Gamgee, right? <laughs> I find that a very powerful statement, you know, make the client the hero. I love hearing that. And, and you're 100% right. This industry, we can, we help people. Just think about how many jobs, how many jobs are out there within 60 minutes you can change someone's, you know, their mentality for the day. They could be stressed, angry, anxious, some bad day at work, bad relationship with their, their husband, their wife, their kids, whatever. They come in, they have a training session and you just train them. You just do a normal thing. And the benefits they get is they get like dopamine, endorphins, they get serotonin release. Then they go home and they have good conversations. They're happy with each other. They're happy with themselves. And all you did was your job. You just gave them a workout. That's like a level one trainer. That's what they can offer. Like your basic level trainer, you can offer that. And that is power. Now imagine someone like yourself, like you said that, you know, over time I, I sat down with the guy, I listened to him for two hours and we just talked. That is another skill set that you can add on. How much can we impact and change people's lives by giving them the benefits of health? And then also just being a good person to be able to have conversations. And then at the end of the day, make them the hero. What job out there does that? Like, my mom still sends me applications for a uh, 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 maritime electric, which is like in PEI where you can get a job making, I think like 50 K a year and you get benefits. She's like, Hey, they're hiring. I'm like, mom, <laughs> it's good. I'm doing some good stuff. I'm doing different things over here. It's a little bit better. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. But what other jobs offer what we can do for people? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and not only that, here's, here's what you made me think of as well. It was a good point because I want to point out another mistake that I made in my career. And as I put, as I think of them, I want to throw them out there, just purge all of my mistakes. Early on in my career, I was all about high profile clients. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had some celebrity clients. I had pro athletes, Olympic athletes, and I'm all about all these high profile because I felt like it was soothing my own insecurities as a, as a young trainer, mm-hmm. right? Like validating that I belong here, that I can 
that, that, you know, it's okay. I'm not a doctor like everyone wanted, but look, I'm doing something Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So uh, early in my career, that was my priority. My priority shifted big time. I am all about the unsung heroes of society. Now I love just getting like the, the single mom and making her feel like a rock star or getting like the dad that's got a lot of kids and he's overworked and he's finally doing something for himself and making him feel like a million bucks every time he shows up for a session. I want the people that society doesn't appreciate so I can appreciate them. And, and I actually say that when I'm teaching people, and I think you did this in the course where we do lifetime gold medals, and I say, it's your job to figure out what you like about your clients. Take that upon yourself. Ask them about times in their life when they went from struggle to success. You want to be able to discipline yourself to really like these people because 99% of your clients are super interesting and the other 1% are interesting because of how uninteresting they are, okay? So I said, you do that and you're going to naturally go the extra mile for these people Mm -hmm. and you're going to have such a warm, inviting, supportive energy to these sessions, Mm -hmm. but you you want to take it upon yourself to train yourself to like all, and, and I would say, un, take it up a notch and unconditionally love them all. Train yourself to unconditionally love every single client that ever comes to you. Like nothing will be better for your career than that. Everything they're, else they're will people. come natural. You'll always do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're people. And if everybody walks around the earth saying, I want to help people, I want to make people better, you can eliminate a lot of the, the negativity. You can eliminate a lot of the bad parts of the world. If everybody's thinking, how about we over me first? If everyone mm-hmm. has that mindset of helping other people. You know, one type of clientele that I've always wanted and I never got, I've yet to have. So if you're listening here, reach out to me. I've, I've never had someone, remember the, the biggest loser came out? Yeah. And they were working with these, um, you know, like morbidly obese. We're talking six, six, 700 pound people. And they were working with them. And you and I as trainers, like we're sitting back and we're watching. They're beating the snot out of these people. They're having them lose a whole bunch of weight in a short period of time. They're making them cry. They're making them think it's the only way they're getting injured. A lot of people are getting hurt. You know, the guy wins a show, girl wins a show. And then all of a sudden, you know, months, months later, they put all that weight back on. I've always wanted to work with one of those people from the show who, who had the success and then had the negative because I wanted to be that force in their life that says, no, 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 there's another way. There's another way that you can be who you want to be forever. And it's not what you've been exposed to. Cause I feel like they've had a negative experience and that's now going to hurt mm-hmm. them even more. And the worst time, Brendan, I got a soft spot for kids. I like kids yeah, yeah, yeah. way more than adults. Sorry if you're an adult, but, um, but the reason why I like kids is I feel like, um, uh, I am one 24 seven. So I, they, they, they laugh at my jokes more than the adults, but they <laughs> hit the one with kids on there. They had the, the kids one on there. And I remember the first, I think it was the first episode. They had one little kid jumping. He was doing all this bounding and he was really overweight he broke his foot. Like he broke his foot and sitting there as a, as a fit pro and watching, I said, this ain't right, man, this ain't right. But that's always been, you know, I've yet to have that, you know? So if you were on the biggest loser, reach out, I'd love to work with you. I do it for free. Um, but that's always someone that I've always wanted to, to help and, and wanted to, to work with. That's, that's awesome. And you know what, that passion is a success ingredient, like right there, because even if you haven't worked with that population, the fact you have the passion means that if you don't have the answer to whatever comes up in a training session, you'll find the answer some way. The passion mm-hmm. will drive you to do things right. Mm-hmm. And so, so that kind of passion, I would encourage people to just find that passion in you and go with that passion because it'll put a fire in you 
where you will find the answers. You will find a way where no way exists. And, uh, and I love that once again, you're recognizing the unsung heroes because, you know, I, I look at all these people and I'm like, man, I look up to them because they have struggles that I don't understand that I don't have. I look up to somebody who's like, who's really overweight and, and on a spiritual level, you're my hero because you're going through life lessons that can be very devastating and challenging. Like you're a spiritual power lifter. You're lifting a thousand pounds. I'm over here being Brendan Fox lifting, uh, you know, the bar and two 10 pound plates. Right. Like, so I'm always like, I'm always like, you know, I'd love to just spot you in life because the more you've suffered, the more I actually respect and admire you mm-hmm. because of that. And the more society overlooks your heroic role, the even more great, I think you are mm-hmm. for, that, that, for everything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. You said the word suffering and, and suffering is so part of development. It's such a strong part of, of development in, in human beings and, and potential. When I look at clients who have suffered before, I always feel like you, you, you just, you go in the wrong way. You're over here because someone said, hey, you know, if I just drink uh, lemon water three times a day, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. So you want to lose 50 pounds, but you're getting maybe the not ideal advice. You know, we call that the myth in the industry, right? And they're suffering because of these myths in the industry. What are some of the myths over the 30,000 plus hours you've worked that you've come across have just been like laugh out loudable that some people may still believe today? Okay. uh, One of the ones first to come to mind is that, you know, if I'm doing a consult with somebody and I say, okay, do you exercise? And they're like, yep, three days a week. And I'm like, great, what do you do? And they're like, I golf. (laughs) And here's a test. This is just my opinion. So take it for what it is. If you can smoke a cigar, uh, booze, and eat a bologna sandwich while you're doing it, it's probably not exercise, (laughs) right? Like, so that's that's one I've, I've gotten all the time because it's really setting a low standard on what mm-hmm. exercise is, mm-hmm. right? I'll, I mean, agree, I'll agree with that because I mean, I'm a golfer. There's golf in my family. My mom, I've been golfing. I'm like, mom, are you in the golf cart? Well, yeah. we only used it for, we only used it this because it was right as mom, get out the golf cart. If you're going to, if you're going to use it as exercise, walk, walk. And you know, if mom's listening, my mom walks all the time now, actually. Yeah. So for yes. my mom's fitness level, walking 18 holes or sometimes playing 27 is a form of fitness for her. But most people say like, you don't break a sweat golfing unless it's stress related. Sorry. That's not. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's also run golfing. I mean, you'll look ridiculous. You hit the ball and you have to just sprint to where the ball's at. Oh really? Right? That's so a, that's a sport run golfing. Yeah. For, if you want to get fitness in, uh, I would also tell everybody always take a counter swing. Like when you swing one way, even though you're not hitting anything, because you end up with these rotational imbalances. I went and did a um, golf biomechanics training. I think it was like a five-day course. And so there's so many just rotational twists mm-hmm. in people's bodies from doing uneven rotations. Like you golf wouldn't do. Yeah, and yeah. So, I mean, most people's cool down after golf. It's not evening out the uneven tension in the body. It's having a couple cold ones at the 18th hole. Yeah. Right. Like that's everybody's form of a cool down. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're like, well, the beer's cold. So it's cool. Yeah. 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 So, so I think it, it, it's funny, but uh, for most people, you know, you just want to ask yourself, is that really, is that stimulus going to inspire my body to create an adaptation? <laughs> you know, another one is people will say um, when I'm talking to somebody, I would say, okay, so what do you do for working out and exercise and fitness? And they'll say, I clean around the house. Mm. Right. And mm. I'm like, 
How well, big's your house? Using, <laughs> using that as a justification for that you're getting fitness in. I mean, the last time I checked, you didn't see housemaids gracing the covers of all the fitness magazines, sporting <laughs> massive biceps and quads because they're dusting around the lamp and stuff, right? Like, so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways in which people, you know, self-justify things that, that I think deep down they know aren't correct. Right. Yeah. Those then, are, yeah go ahead. You know, for, sorry, you, you go ahead. You were, you were, I can't add to that one. I think it's worthy to add on this one. Probably wasn't, probably wasn't worthy. You go ahead, man. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to use housework, I tell people do it at a hurried pace. Like if Mm. you're raking leaves, time it, do it as fast as you can. Then Mm. I'd say, then you're going to actually get the heart rate up. You're going to challenge yourself. Uh, I, you know, that's like, that's like saying curling is exercise. You're just sweeping. It actually does get your heart rate up if you, if you try it out. Um, But it's not the most complete holistic form of exercise, right? It's, mm. it's one dimension. So I think there's opportunities to be better. Uh, if people are to be honest with what they truly want, that those may not give them the outcomes they truly want. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I would consider them a myth. I would only consider these things myths if they're not giving you what you truly want, because I don't really know, you know, once again, I'm so, I have so much ignorance. So take everything I say with a grain of salt, 30,000 hours, but there's also a million billion things I don't know yet. Uh, I think, I think we all go through this phase in the beginning of our career. We think we know nothing. Then we think we know everything. Then we go back to thinking we know nothing. So yeah. a lot of times when I'm talking to somebody, I could be like, okay, are you in phase one, two, or three, right? Because mm-hmm. usually when you talk to the people that have been around a long time, they really have a humble sense of open-mindedness. They hold their beliefs lightly. Whereas people who are kind of in the middle, they're very rigid. Like, this is the way, this is what you should do. Everybody should do training this way and Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's a circle of life, the trainer's circle of life, right? Who are you? Are you Simba? Are you Mufasa? Or you were that monkey, whatever that monkey's name is. Right? You, you gotta be one of the three, Simba, Mufasa, or uh, the monkey in, in the <laughs> Lion King. The, those are the positions you are in your career, right? We all, yeah. we all, we all think we're that monkey. We know everything, but no, we're, we're Simba most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a powerful place to be because Humility is actually self-honesty and all change requires honesty. Mm-hmm. So I think humility and modesty is the might of the mighty. Like a lot of people look at it as a, as a negative, you know, and it doesn't mean that you're just beating yourself up. Like that's completely different. It's just complete self-honesty mm-hmm. that we don't know what we don't know. We, and, you know, we're doing the best we can with what we know. And when we know better, we will do better. So be gentle and patient with yourself. Love that. Oh, here's a myth. I got one. I got one okay. for you. One of the myths sure. uh, that Shoot. I think are laugh out loudable is that if you do cardio, if you, if you do cardio, you're going to lose all the muscle you've gained. I've had, I've had like, you know, I'm in the, you know, I train a lot of power. Well, I can't do cardio. Why can't you do cardio? Well, I'm going to lose all my strength. And I'm like, well, how much cardio are you going to do? Like, are you going to put in 42 miles on the treadmill? Well, no. I'm like, you can't. First off, you're not fit enough. I'm like, and and all you really need to do is, you know, anywhere from three minutes to maybe 10 minutes. And you can get a ton of benefits that you're not getting where the idea. And I remember in the early days, it was like, you want to bulk? You do not do cardio. Like, what do you like? Do not touch it. You just ignore cardiorespiratory fitness. Just ignore it. It'll go away. Like, don't worry about it. But the fact that like cardio is a component of fitness. And then what I found over the years is when you do have a good aerobic base, you can get more out of your weights. 
You can, you can do four yeah. sets. You can you're do right. five you're sets. Right. You can pair exercise. You can do I've a seen that set, too. right? And if you don't want to do long bouts of cardio, you don't have to, but you can do short bouts of high intense interval work. Just little bouts of it is going to help your cardiorespiratory health significantly more than the other one. So when I work with people now, I still give them, whether you're a power lifter, you want to put on muscle, you're still doing cardiorespiratory work because the carryover is you're going to get more of your other training and you're probably going to live longer. Last time I checked cardiovascular disease is still the number one reason why people die. The number one reason, like eventually, mm -hmm. you know, or one of the forms that fall from it is that. So for me, but you know, in the early days, that was something everyone talked about, but no, you can do cardio and still put on muscle, still get strong and you can just be healthy. You, you know, I, I find one of the best things we can do is have a good way to challenge when people are trying to indoctrinate us with their myths. Mm -hmm. Because so if somebody says something like that to me, I say, tell me why you believe that to be true. Do you know from firsthand experience? Because if you don't know from firsthand experience, it's not a first rate truth. Mm. Now, do you know from somebody who knows that would be second rate truth? Like I would say, okay, Chris Fudge has done 20,000 hours. If, if anyone's going to know, this guy will know because he's probably experimented with it. So I'd say, Fudge, is this true or not? And you say, no, 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 it's BS. I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to roll with that then, right? If you don't know from somebody who would know, third rate truth is like research, internet, book reading, all of these other things. Mm -hmm. So I always say when you come to your conclusion, you always want to, there's three rates of truth. First rate is truth through experience. Second rate, knowing through somebody who knows. Third rate is just sort of your research. But you always want to just sort of evaluate this conclusion somebody came up with. Is this a quick, careless, clumsy conclusion they've come up with? Or have they done careful investigation to say, hey, cardio is going to emaciate you, right? So I always challenge them on that. And people don't give me these myths because I make it uncomfortable if they're trying, because I'm like, you're just trying to spread a rumor. Why are you trying mm -hmm. to spread this? This is just industry gossip. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to disempower cardio that might be beneficial for people. Like, mm -hmm. let's just do, let's be intellectually responsible here. Like, let's not jump to a conclusion and make an assumption without use doing the, the reasonable minimum standard of investigation before forming a a working conclusion. I love the uh, truth through experience. I remember you talked about that a lot uh, on your course when I was your student. Uh, and to me, I was like, oh man, like you got to be the, you got to be the lab rat. You got to, if you really yeah. want to know, you really want to know, you got to test it yourself. You, you got to try that one out. So, so fourth, your one, two, three is fourth. The guy you went to high school with who posted on Facebook, because <laughs> I mean, in the last year, I, I, I learned so much from people I went to high school with. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. they knew all this stuff until they got a Facebook account. No, no. There's one above that. That's fifth. Fourth is whatever truths you see scribbled on the inside of a public bathroom door. <laughs> that goes ahead. That's a notch above. Those people are wise. If they got time to scribble something on the back of the door, I will take that above those Facebook posts. But I think it, re it really comes down to, you know, a lot of times in our industry, people either speculate or investigate. And you'll notice that all fit pros generally fit somewhere on this continuum and all fitness enthusiasts, right? Like there are the people who study the facts before forming an opinion. And then there are those people who form opinions and then confuse it for being a fact, right? And then they, they kind of hold on to it tightly and they become like a proud teacher. Like they're going to prove it to you. Whereas the other people are just so open to learning. They, they more look at themselves as a student, right? And then the other people are like teachers. So 
I think that's really, we all make that value choice. Are you going to be somebody who just always defaults to speculation because it's quick and convenient, you know, or because you ha- you get anxiety over not knowing an answer, or you, you just feel like you have to have an opinion because it soothes your insecurities. So you, you grab an opinion as fast as you can, right? Because there were times when I did that it w- and it had to do with, I don't like, I had fear of the unknown. So I'd be like, I need an opinion. Boom. I got it. This is my opinion, right? And then I realized it just didn't work out. And for me, when I, when I realized the whole truth through experience, I realized the importance of that through my experience because I went to university and I took science and research and that was like my golden calf. Like I was just like, everything science and research says mm-hmm. is I, in my mind that now science and research never said this. This is what I did and what other people do, but I love science, research, and formal education. They are always so humble. They always end a study with saying more research is needed. But what do we do? We assume that it's a finished project. Science and research has it all figured out. And what they give us is the undeniable truth. We're the ones who did that, not science and researchers. They're the first ones who are saying, hey, whoa, like take it for what it is. Like this isn't the the truth. So I was always like, you know, I need a study for everything. Mm-hmm. Like I need to know what formal education is saying and stuff like that. And then I realized sometimes they're confused. Yeah. And sometimes I would struggle with something I learned in school and I would painfully make the same mistake before I realized that what I was taught was just not the best version of the truth, mm-hmm. right? Like not everybody needed to spend a half an hour PNF stretching before I took them on the weights. Like it, it, there was so I many different- book too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were so many different things I did that were just- not as effective as it could have been. And I was humbled through my experience. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized like, okay, we need to take responsibility for truth. Like nobody's just going to hand it to you. Right. And if they do, then you can easily be manipulated, Mm -hmm. right. Into accepting a corrupt false version of truth and people can make money off you. They can get you to believe that a supplement is going to give you the life of your dreams or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So I by think the way, we by all the way, have today's to... show is uh, uh, sponsored by Supplement Pro. So if you're looking at, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and Flintstone Vitamins. <laughs> I get paid fifty bucks every time I drop that in a, in a in an interview. Yeah, Brendan, I'm super respectful of time. You dropped a lot of information here, and it was also very nice just to have a conversation with you again. I haven't seen yeah. you in, in some time. I just want to ask you one final question here. Yeah. At some point in your life, and mine, it's going to be it. We're going to be done over peace out let's say when that happens someone writes a book they write the brendan j fox autobiography a book on you what would you like that last chapter to look like i i would i would like it that they actually forgot my name (laughs) and uh so they're like i don't know some guy right and i would like it to be that i inspired them to believe in themselves that it had nothing to do with me Uh, My goal, Chris, is actually to be forgotten forever. I don't want to be remembered in the history books or anything else. I'm not looking for a legacy where my name and identity is remembered. And I've already decided to make that my choice so that I'm not making decisions that are motivated by that. I'm here to just give it my all and then be forgotten forever. And I think it's going to happen anyways. I mean, I can't tell you anything about my great, great grandparents right? It only takes a few generations before we're forgotten forever. I'm cool with that. But while I'm here, I'm, I'm here to give and I'm here to share. And, you know, hopefully I leave people with the impression that wherever I went, I sprinkled love and wisdom wherever I went. And that's it. If I can just leave them with that impression. 
And, uh, and, you know, for anyone here who's on this call or listening to this podcast, then I just want to acknowledge you that unlike everybody who wants to be better, you're actually making the sacrifice. You've actually put up with our obnoxious personalities to the very end of this interview, which means you are searching for truth. You are putting in the effort. And I just want to remind you how capable you are because whoever you are, you have the capacity to be 10 out of 10 disciplined. You have the capacity to be 10 out of 10 motivated. You have the capacity to be 10 out of 10 loving, 10 out of 10 patient. There are moments when you've been 10 out of 10 creative. You have within you all you need to be able to create and do the things that inspire you in life. Maybe you can't be it all at once, but you can be who you need to be when you need to be it. And I totally honor and respect you because you're on the path to learning just as we are. And I hope in some small way we've inspired and contributed to your life. Strangers care about you. Chris and I may be strangers, but we actually care about people like the listeners here today. Brendan, that was so lovely to hear. And you may not be aware, you may want to be forgotten, but just think of every every lesson you taught one person, if they teach someone else and they teach someone else and then they teach their kids and maybe their kids' kids, or maybe someone teaches that chipmunk in the backyard to eat peanuts off your shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> It goes on, man. You may be forgotten, but your lessons and your impact definitely won't. Formally, I would like to say thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Project Fitness Podcast. And uh, I am rooting for you. I'm rooting for you in the game of life. Yeah, we're all in this together, just trying to make the best of this experience, being human, coming from the land of oblivion. None of us, it's kind of funny. We don't remember where we were before we started this life, right? It's like, it's like you, you, all of a sudden you're flying a plane and you never went to school for it. You never got an instruction manual and we struggle with our frustrations and we hit turbulence. We're trying to figure out how to live a human life. But I think, I think we all do better when we hold hands and stick together and we try to figure it out like a group project. And, you know, with every, every hour of my 30,000 hours and, you know, and, and everybody else's, if we can all just pool our experience and our learnings together, I think we can all help each other through this journey and make the best of it. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, my friend. You have a phenomenal day. All right, buddy. You too. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.